Right now, we're going to talk about another important part of the Presidential Library and Museum, which, by the way, today is celebrating its 16th anniversary. So happy birthday to everybody here at the ALPLM. Heather Nice is here with us. She is the Education Director at the Presidential Library and Museum, an important job that took on a whole new uh, perspective over the last year because of the COVID-19 pandemic. And, of course, the museum was uh, closed off to people for a long time. It's back reopened now uh, by online reservation only. But there's still uh, some limited capacity, and it's just altered how people are utilizing the museum. But the education department here has really risen uh, to that challenge to try to make sure that people can stay connected even in the midst of the pandemic. Heather, welcome. Hi, how are you? Doing very good, thank you, and thanks so much uh, for being here. Take us back to uh, about 13 months ago when uh, all heck was breaking loose here and you suddenly realize, okay, we would have busloads of students coming in every day seeing this all firsthand. We can't do that now. We don't know when we'll be able to. What's step one? How did you start to go about dealing with that new reality? So the first thing we did was... Frankly, we panicked a little. I mean, it's what you, it's what you <laughs> yeah, do when which the world, we all did exactly. What you do when the world turns upside down. Um, but we really had kind of these in-depth conversations with my team, and and we took a spaghetti approach. We're going to throw everything against the wall. We're going to see what works because in the museum world, this was really so unprecedented. You know, in museums, you do everything you can to bring the people to you, mm-hmm. and uh, museums are noteworthy for their unwillingness to change and so you know it it really forced us overnight to say we've got to do things differently we completely have to paradigm shift how we view this experience and and let's just start throwing out ideas and see what happens so what did stick what uh, what things did you throw out there that you said you know this actually works yeah so you know we had just started our little lincoln's reading program and you know my my boy corinne who just loves the program and has such a passion for it was really bummed because she thought we weren't going to be able to do it and it's like can't we and so we looked at ways that we could transition that online we stopped doing our face-to-face programming obviously for kids on the weekends and so we came up with this new philosophy this new program called junior historians live where we thought of ways that we could take programs onto the internet and so you know we were able to think of essentially different ways to do the same things you know you run into problems when you try to replicate the experience because you can never quite match exactly face to face what happens online what happens face to face but we were really able to say you know if we want kids to read a book how can we do that online if we want kids to engage with our experts how can we do that online and so we really had some good conversations and i think i think fun programs came out of it this wasn't just a challenge for students it was also a challenge for teachers who are having now to do exactly what you had to do navigate this brand new environment somehow try to figure out how to make history come alive for students who are you know halfway across town maybe in another county you just don't know for sure they're they're just a face on on a screen but you did a lot to work with teachers to help them navigate this as well yeah so the the first summer um so summer of 2020 the infamous year um we offered a seven series um boot camp for teachers where we really walked them through if you have to teach kids online if we don't go back to normal in the fall What does that look like? How do you engage them? How do you design classroom opportunities? How do you take that thing you love doing face-to-face and make it work online? It's gonna look different, but you can still do the same things and accomplish the same goals. And so we had really great attendance on that. I think we had over 100 teachers in each session. And so it was really great to be able to work with them and to also 
for our perspective to hear their frustrations because when you're talking with people who are boots on ground in the classroom and they're telling you this doesn't work for me this doesn't work for me it gives us a really good idea as museums what we could do to meet their needs as well you're you're right though that it is so counterintuitive museums exist to have you come in to see these rare items firsthand and to be able to to visualize uh you know what it looked like uh, when lincoln was sitting there writing the gettysburg address or or a top hat whatever it might be uh and now uh, having to do that all virtually because you had no other choice does that all go away now that things are reopening and we're getting people back into the museum again? Or is the future a blend of in-person and virtual? You know, everybody that I'm talking to in the field, none of us are willing to let go of these new ideas and these new programs, but also these new audiences that we've been able to reach. You know, in the past, only students within driving distance reasonably could come to the museum for the day. And now we've done programs with students all over the country. And so, you know, they may not, I mean, we, we have a couple of students who've come to almost every single one of our online programs who've never been here. And so we've got this, this great outreach now. And so we're really trying to think through, you know, when we do face-to-face programming, can we offer a virtual component at the same time? Or do we do a second one that's virtual for our distance audiences? And so I think a lot of what we end up doing will depend on, on, you know, numbers obviously, but you know, if we can keep those audiences engaged, I mean, why would we let no, why would we let go of something that's worked so well? Well, and and it's it's really interesting. You know, we we have been so focused on we really want to get people back into Springfield. We want to get the tourists in, the visitors in. This is an, a hugely important part of that. Five million people have come through the front door right, right. of this institution in the last sixteen years. On the other hand, if you think about it in terms of the long game. Every child you reach around the country that you're planting those seeds of interest in someday is going to say. I'm going to Springfield. I want to see this firsthand. So we kind of have this unofficial motto in my department. We are growing our future patrons, our future peers, and our future donors. And so really, I mean, the the idea is, you know, when I was a kid, I'd read about Gettysburg. I wanted to go to the cemetery, and my mom eventually took me because I, let's be real, I pestered her a lot until she agreed. Um, But, you know, I, I think as a kid who myself loved museums and loved the idea of the stuff of the past, you know, finding new ways that we can engage kids who wouldn't typically be here, who someday hopefully will be able to come. But also for those who can't come, you know, you, you asked about do we lose something when they're not here? You know, with digital technology being what it is, we've really been able to digitize many of our artifacts, take pictures of many of our um, objects. And so we're really able to create teaching materials for educators that even if they can't be here, they can see our stuff, they can get context from our historians. And so Again, it's it's a different way of thinking about things, but you know, I'm I'm loving what we're seeing. We're talking with Heather Nishti is the education director here at the Abraham Lincoln Presidential Library and Museum. Again, we have come through the worst of the pandemic. Not knock wood, fingers crossed, all that. Right. But um, uh, as you said, we will have a blend of in person and virtual. And part of that begins in just in the next few days ahead of the opening of, of the State of Sound exhibit. You're going to have a virtual event coming up tied into this exhibit that I'm really excited about. Yeah. So we um, we have on uh, Thursday evening, So You Want to Be a Musician. It's one of our Junior Historians live programs. We were able to partner with the Illinois Rock and Roll Museum and the Illinois State Museum to bring Mike Arturi to come talk to kids who maybe have a career in music, but they're not sure where to start or frankly for 
those parents out there maybe who had rock star ambitions that didn't see it happen, but they're still really excited about music. He's a drummer who's been a working musician his whole life. Like it's paid the bills. He's been successful. And that was one of the things we were talking to him. He was, he was very sure to stress. He's like, you know, I've, I've done this. I get paid to do this. <laughs> Whereas, you know, there's always, you always meet those musicians. Who right. Are like, oh, you, you do that for a living? Well, no. I was one of those musicians, so I know exactly how that so, goes. But so he's, was my husband. <laughs> but he's played with uh, he's played with Eleven Spoonful for decades. Yes. But he's also toured with Chuck Berry, Del Shannon. Yes. I mean, this is an amazing story here. So uh, I think for a lot of young people, it, it can be a, a very real perspective on what life is like in the music business, but also just a very interesting set of stories from a guy who's walked the walk. Right. I mean, you know, he was telling us some stories. I can't wait to see how kids react to it. But one of the things we actually, you know, asked him to stress is that, you know, how do they do this? You know, how did you go from the kid who played the drums and wanted to be a musician to someone who actually makes money doing it? Because, you know, it's, it's one thing to walk through State of Sound and see all the amazing artists, but you want to be them. And so how do you get there? And so we're hoping having him come in and, and give kids, you know, pointers and tips as to how they can get there and what they can do. Is this just for kids? Because I'm kind of curious as to how you can do it at age 56 and you know make a few <laughs> bucks doing it too. But uh, um, so, but but this is something that uh, that adults could could tune into as well. Yeah. So most of our junior historians live programs we target for kids, but we've had. Um, Real kids, their parental kids, and we've had their grand parental kids. The, the young at heart crowd, exactly. <laughs> right, right. So that's coming up Thursday evening. Yes. Uh, and how do people uh, make connections or find out more about it? Yeah, so if you go to our website, presidentlincoln.illinois.gov, and you click on upcoming events, there is a link there that you can click on to register for the event, and it will be delivered via Zoom webinar. Um, if you register and for some reason you're not able to attend or something comes up or that time doesn't work, we're actually recording this one. And so a few days after the event, we'll also have it on our YouTube channel. When you go to the upcoming events link, there'll probably be a few other things people will see there too. What else is uh, in store through the education department? Yeah, so right now um, our most current upcoming events, we have two Little Lincoln events coming up the following week. Um, again, to celebrate State of Sound opening, our first Little Lincoln's theme is music. And so kids will be able to hear stories about uh, music, but I believe there's also going to be a dance party in the <laughs> middle of it. So um, if you've never watched a bunch of four-year-olds dance on a Zoom call, it's spectacular. Oh my gosh, I've got two grandchildren who would absolutely love that. So You should bring them. Uh, and, you know, yeah. um, there's a lot of grandparents that get on there and dance with them. That will not be <laughs> happening, but uh, you know. You that, can chair that... dance. Chair dancing's okay. <laughs> uh, I also wanted to ask you about, because we had uh, Chaz Ebert on, the widow of yeah. Roger Ebert, a few weeks ago, talking about the No Malice Film Contest. Uh, there's some new developments on that. Yeah. So our No Malice Film Contest, uh, for those of you that didn't hear the first interview, is a grant-funded project, and we are asking kids 11 to 21 who live in Illinois to create short films dealing with topics of racial healing. That's all the directions we gave them. We don't want to guide their stories because we really want to empower their voices and their stories. Initially, those films are going to be due April 30th, but we decided, you know, kind of due to COVID and just, let's be real, everybody's a little bit burned out on the computer. We thought we'd give them an extra month. So yeah. the new due date for the films is actually May 31st. Right. And even for kids who've already submitted, if they wanted a little extra time or to make tweaks, they can go back in and do that too. Very good. So uh, tell your young budding filmmakers, there's still plenty of opportunity to be a part of that. Uh, also, you mentioned to me on fair something about uh, something called Lincoln's Fireside Tales. Yeah, that's Little Lincoln's Fireside 
Oh, that is the yeah, Lincoln. Okay, that's, that's, that's the one. Yeah, it's 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 got kind of a long name. We, we abbreviate <laughs> it L- Little Lincoln. Little Lincoln's Fireside Tales. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a wonderful uh, effort just to uh, again connect people to this history, make it come alive, reach people where they are, especially right now when it's not as easy to get someplace else as you might like. But uh, of course, as things are reopening, there'll be plenty to see and do and learn here as well. And will we start to see some of these more? in-person hands-on activities resuming here or have they already started resuming so we haven't yet um we are kind of tentatively waiting for the phase four to five bridge right i think that's probably our our number but we are starting to plan stuff in person i have a really exciting summer calendar that we're still going through the final approval process on so hopefully within the next week or two um maybe three. We'll have that up online. And so um, if you're interested, you can always sign up for our newsletters. We have newsletters for kind of the general public. It's like the informational newsletter, but we also have newsletters specific to families and kids as well as to teachers. So if you go on our website and sign up for the newsletter, you can actually pick the ones that are most relevant to you and what you're looking for. And Give so, us the web address one more time. Yeah, presidentlincoln.illinois.gov. Heather Nice is the Education Director of the Abraham Lincoln Presidential Library and Museum. Thank you so much. And when we come back and take this vintage studio for a spin again, we'll have you back and get the update on all these programs and other things that are being planned for the summer. Sounds great.